This week's podcast brought to you by Pickle Loaf. The other night when you were in studio working, our eight-year-old was lying on the couch near bedtime. She was in her pajamas, and as I walked past her, she looked up at me and she said, Dad, can I quickly clean my belly button with a toothpick? (laughs) There was a long, long silence from me, and she said, "Uh, not a toothpick, a (laughs) Q-tip. Says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. But before we get to your busy week, you admonished me before we came on the air here, as it were, that uh, every time I shuffle my papers or write something down with my pen, the microphone picks that up. So don't do that anymore. That's not at all what happened. I just said to you when we came down, admonish you. Admonish is a little bit of a strong word. We came down and I said, just so you know, anytime we move or shuffle or anything that the microphone picks it up. So just to be aware of that, I certainly didn't admonish you. You didn't say every time we, you said every time you. The first time I said we, and then I I realized you weren't really listening. So the second time I said you. (laughs) As the postmaster general here who, who has to compile the voluminous viewer mail, I'm the only one with papers to shuffle. Right. That's true. So there you go. Well, I only bring it up by way of apologizing if I've shuffled or scribbled too loudly. You don't need to, to apologize for any of that. None of it is is off-putting. I just wanted to make sure that you were aware that you could hear that. Clearly um, it's not on-putting or you wouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> is on-putting a phrase that anyone's ever used? Only as a put-on. Well, tell us about your busy week. I haven't seen you, so whatever you say will be news to me. Well, that's the weirdest... I've seen you on TV, let me just say that. That's the weirdest thing about these busy days in Bristol, because I'll go to... I think it was Friday, we're there, you know, we're on for 12 hours from, you know, noon to midnight. I come home, and by the time I get home after one in the morning, you and the kids were all asleep, and then I had to be back in Bristol on Saturday morning, and when I left, you were awake, but we didn't have a chance to speak. The kids were still sleeping. And it's weird because I really, we, we haven't had a chance to speak about very much over the course of the last few days because I've been spending all of my time with my work husband, Andy Landers, and my work wife, Maria Taylor. So, uh, so yeah, it's been, a, it's been a busy four days. And um, now I have a couple days home before heading to Albany for the regional, which will be a lot of fun. There's four really good teams there, UConn, Louisville, Oregon State, and then UCLA, a bit of a uh, surprise. Not really a surprise, but an upset, I guess, getting there as the sixth seed. Andy Landers, we should refresh our viewers' memory that um, he has a farm in Georgia called Andy Land. So you've been living in Andy Land pretty much for the last last week. I've been living, well, I've been living in Andyland, yes, for the last week straight, but really all winter, because every Sunday, Coach Landers and I spend our entire Sundays together. Sundays, of course, is the day that our children say, we never eat dinner on Sunday. And it's because I'm spending my Sundays instead of at home helping prepare dinner for them. I'm I'm hanging out in Andyland. I'm hoping at some point between now and the national championship, I will get to 
to record an interview with Coach Landers for this podcast because he's a really, really interesting guy with some hilarious stories. And uh, we have a really good time when we're in Bristol together. This interview would be 90% agriculture, right? Um, not really. Well, he, he lives on a while he lives on a farm, he he raises cattle. So I don't know if it would be agriculture or what would that be? Cattle culture. <laughs> I'm sure there's a word. So when we when we're in the studio all day too, before we go on air, we go and and we get some makeup put on our faces. And as when Coach Landers goes in, he'll uh, he'll say, "Can I just have my light dusting?" Um, and I guess that means Maria and I get our heavy dusting. But um, but I don't know how it came up. I think I must have brought it up, but there was a reason it came up. And anyway, I was in the makeup room and there was uh, three of the young girls in there who do the hair and makeup and the the subject of day drinking came up and drinking on airplanes, which we have talked a lot about on our podcast. And one of the women in there said, oh, I do that. And uh, and I, and so I prodded her a little bit and, and she said, there are no rules when you're at the airport. No rules apply. And she said, because most of the time, if people are in the airport, or not most of the time, but oftentimes people are on their way to and from vacation. And so she said, all the rules go out the window. You can eat what you want. You drink what you want. You you shop. You go into the different places. And no rules apply when you're at the airport. So I've never heard anyone say that. And uh, I found that to be interesting because you have this, this dichotomy of people where no rules apply because they're going to or from vacation. And then the people who this is part of their weekly commute where they're actually off to work or coming back from work perhaps for the third or fourth time that week, it's just instead of getting into a, their automobile, they fly wherever they're going. I would dispute that most people are on vacation when they're flying. Most people aren't on vacation when they're flying. You would say most people are, are not. or aren't. Most people are not on vacation when they're flying. No, I... I, I th- most people are dressed as if they're on vacation right, when they're flying. True. They're dressed as if they are on the beach at that very moment. But if, but if you don't ever fly for work, then the only time you fly is for vacation and and so maybe that's your frame of reference you just think that you know well every i only fly for vacation so most people only fly for vacation anyway i just thought it was interesting when the first sentence out of her mouth was no rules apply at the airport especially if you're traveling with your comfort bassoon right (laughs) you're (laughs) i travel with my comfort Comfort buffoon. buffoon yes so all i know is you've been coming home after i've been already asleep and leaving in the morning before I'm awake. What what have you been doing? I know I've, I've seen you calling halftimes of games, but we see one game and you're doing one halftime, but apparently you're doing... Lots and lots and lots of them. That's the thing that's that was the most interesting to me the first time I, I was in the studio is that, for example, on Friday, there are 16 games being played on Friday. And in what we call windows. So a two two hour span of time would be considered a window. So if you live in Connecticut, you're going to get the Yukon versus whoever game in that window. But if Maryland's playing at the same time, then the people in Maryland are watching a different game. And at that same time, if a game is being played on the West Coast, the people out there are watching that game. So anyway, in the country, people are only watching one game wherever they are. But we are watching four games in the studio at that time and therefore doing four half times for each of those games. And so it can be interesting for us because it happened on Friday where because of when the game started, by the time we got to the fourth game and we're doing the fourth halftime of that game, 
none of us had seen a second of that game because we had been too busy doing the halftimes for the other three games. So, you know, now I, I watch Sunday football very differently. I watch NFL very differently because I know, you know, we're watching a Patriots or Giants game here locally. And when those guys come on and do halftime, I realize that they haven't just been watching the game that we've been watching. They've also been watching however many other games are going on because that's what we're doing during the NCAA tournament. So anyway, it's it's an interesting and fun challenge, but at least we get to watch. Um, we have bunch of a bank of TV monitors there and we get to watch all of the games. I know that's a big frustration for women's basketball fans because unlike on the men's side where every game is on one of, you know, True TV or TBS or TNT or whatever, with us our fans either can watch one game on ESPN2 or they have to go to their device where they can watch all the games. Anyway, it's uh, there's been a lot of basketball watching and a lot of basketball talking happening in my life the last we've few been, days. We've been watching a lot of basketball here. I took two of the kids to the Marquette Murray State game on Thursday, the opening day of the weekend. It was in of the tournament. It was in Hartford, and uh, it didn't go so well for Marquette. But the the kids came away as John Morant fans from Murray State. But we were also watching here on TV, of course. And last night, as we record this, we were watching a high school slam dunk contest on ESPN and uh, both boys and girls in the McDonald's All-American game. And one of the kids, a guy, was, uh, they mentioned he was 7-1, one of the high school players. And uh, our eight-year-old said, that guy's 7-1? So wait, is he taller than mom? <laughs> Why wouldn't she ask if he was taller than you? I don't know. Because you're taller than me. Because because I'm seen as kind of as tall, but you're seen as exceptionally tall because right. you're, a, you're a mom. How did our son, since they were watching the dunk contest, how did our son feel about the uh, the fact that Fran Belibi, the female who is a uh, commit going to Stanford next year, that for only the second time in the history of the dunk contest, a girl won instead of a boy? How did, he, how did our son feel about that? Well, he... he, he appreciated all of the dunks, including her reverse dunk that got, I think, a perfect score. But what his main reaction was to leave the family room and go dunk on the Nerf hoop that's hanging on the inside of our front door. For about the next 40 minutes, the rim was rattling on that thing and uh, nobody could get any peace. He's going to be so disappointed. I mean, what's going to happen as he continues to grow when at some point, there won't be a door high enough to put the Nerf well, hoop on to he, make it fun for him I haven't to told you this, and he asked me to tell you this because you weren't home, but I forget all the things I'm supposed to tell you. Last night, he and I played hallway hoops, and there's a there's a carpet in the front entryway where, where the Nerf hoop is, and any shot from beyond the edge of the carpet is a three-pointer. We count them as two points. Other, other baskets count as one point, and it's hard to make at least... It used to be hard to make a two-pointer. Last night, he was probably eight for nine shooting the two-pointers in a game to 21, and so he's pretty much perfected the Nerf hoop. What I thought watching the dunk contest last night is there ought to be a nationally televised Nerf hoop dunk contest. I can't believe there isn't one already, but it would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I mean... Cornhole I, is on. I know one place that would broadcast it. <laughs> well, cornhole is on. Cornhole right? is on sometimes, yes, on 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 ESPN or ESPN2. So, yeah, they should definitely have a national dunk contest, Nerf dunk contest. Well, this is the other thing. I Because I've been driving in to Bristol so much uh, over the course of the past week, I noticed there's one way that you go and you pass maybe a mile from the Bristol campus, you pass a driving range. 
And um, it's not a particularly nice looking driving range, but it's a, it's a driving range that has the markers that tell you how, har- how far you've hit the ball. But then also in the middle of the driving range is a big giant life-size, don't know quite what it's made out of, cow. And I just wonder as I go by, like, if you're going to the driving range, does it give you that much pleasure to hit the cow? <laughs> like, why is the cow in the middle of the driving well, it's not, range? It's not a real cow, right? No, it's not a real cow. It's a life-size cow. I don't know. Again, I don't know what it's made from. Of course, it's not a real cow. You'd take no pleasure, I would hope, is, from is, hitting a real cow. But Is there a speaker in its side that emits a, a, a tinny <laughs> moo when you hit the cow? If not, there should be. No, it says boo boo. No, I. But I, I just as I've driven by and I've seen the thing so many times as I've driven by. And, but just recently, I thought, what kind of a person gets pleasure out of I, nailing I the cow? I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it. Well, that's a separate kind of person entirely. But I, I wouldn't put it uh, in the same category as, as big game hunters who find joy in in uh, shooting elephants and lions no no i think it's completely separate and um but i'm you know you you play golf a lot more than i do i mean neither of us plays much golf now but in your life i almost never play golf in your life in your summer i play in a scramble and that consists of playing much more than you yes in in my life but in your life you've played a lot more golf than me and i assume have hit a lot more balls in driving ranges have you ever seen any other porcelain it can't be porcelain but any other fake animals in the middle of the driving range (laughs) well it's kind of like uh Sometimes there's a little target in the urinal. There will be a little uh, pad that has a, literally a bullseye or, or some kind of design. There might be a, a, a Yankees logo and a Red Sox fan's toilet or something like that. And I think it's that. It gives you something to aim at. I mean, that just tells me, like, the pathetic nature of some of the male species. Like, you, you really need a target in order to aim to the right spot of the urinal. You couldn't, you couldn't find the, the, the center of the urinal. You couldn't find the drain if not for a target. I mean, there's never been ever a target in a toilet in a woman's restroom or anything that would come anywhere close to a target. I like that this is, this is what the last straw was. It took this for you to realize that the uh, the, the depraved you, nature of the male species, the, the pathetic nature of the male species. Well, anyway, I think the cow is the equivalent of the urinal target. Oh, that poor cow! <laughs> this is just a, a quick thing for people who want more information on women's college basketball. As we're in the middle of the tournament now, listen to Lachina Robinson's podcast around the rim. She did a great job before the tournament started, talking to a ton of analysts you know, kind of giving a, a big picture view of what's going on. She'll be doing podcasts all throughout the course of the the tournament. But I was listening to a bunch of these podcasts, you know, getting ready for the tournament as well. And one of the advertisements was for um, testosterone boosting supplement. and uh, Elixir. Yes. And as I was listening to uh, multiple episodes of her podcast, and before each one, there was this ad for a testosterone boosting elixir. I was just laughing, thinking about the demographic, which I imagine listens to her podcast, is probably not people who need their testosterone boosted. Well, while, while you've been broadcasting basketball and we've been watching basketball, we've also been playing basketball in the driveway. And um, every afternoon, 
and I did this as a kid, March Madness, you'd get out in the driveway. It's totally inappropriate. It's wet. It's muddy. There's snow still surrounding the driveway, the crusty, uh, dirty snow. But we're out there playing. The kids want to play in short sleeves, in shorts. And um, last night, I launched a 15-footer that was I was sure was the game winner, and it rattled out. And I sighed and said, oh, come on. That was How did that not go in? And, and our seventh grader said to me, and I quote, don't be the these rims guy. <laughs> Where does she even learn this stuff? I don't know, but I said, I said, you're absolutely right. And promise me that you will never be the these rims guy. That, that reminds me of a, a story that jo- Coach Oriama tells that I absolutely love. It's about Maya Moore. And, you know, she was so, such an incredible shooter when she was at UConn and, uh, you know, just had some of the most picture-perfect form you could ever imagine. And she was so confident in her ability, so confident in herself, that if in practice, if she missed a couple of shots in a row, she would look at the ball, like with this look on her face. A betrayal. Yeah. No, that not even a betrayal. There's clearly something wrong with the ball. And then would go and, you know... It was out of round. Put it on the ball rack and get a new one. But, um, you know, just how different people have... Uh, you know, especially shooters have a shooter's mentality. You know, you have some some pl- shooters who can lose their confidence. Well, Maya wasn't one of those. If the ball wasn't going in, it was clearly the ball's fault. <laughs> well, I, I do feel that way sometimes. And our son plays with a uh, his basketball, and his sister won't let her use hers. So his has 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 like it's a little warped. It's, it has, it's, it's yeah. three months pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and either that or it has a really big pimple that needs to be popped. Yeah, it's but a it's a mess. It's a mess. He needs a new twelve dollar basketball. Yes, and we some for some reason haven't gotten him one and his sister won't let her use hers. So in some cases it may be the fault of the ball. Yeah, not in Maya's case. Not at using the super expensive, really nice balls at the Yukon training facility. Well, let's get to the important stuff. While you're away, I'm responsible, largely responsible for putting putting food on the table. On Sunday night, that meant I asked the kids, the cupboards bare, what do you want for dinner? They said ABC, anything but chicken. So they, they're they tired of the chicken parm. They're tired. You got a rotisserie chicken last night when you were here, and they, they did eat that, but they probably do five nights a week of chicken. So I said I'd go to the grocery. I'd come back with something they would all like. I got frozen White Castles. They loved them. But while I was at the grocery, it's it's only when you're out of town that I'm even allowed to do grocery shopping because you won't have you won't allow me to shop with you and you certainly won't allow me to buy the food when when you're around and I didn't realize some of the things that are still on the shelves and I and of course I, I buy almost all of them but uh, so I bought little Debbie Swiss rolls yeah, because you're not, never allowed cabinet. to buy them yeah. and I buy I bought the White Castles. I took out, put in the cart, and put back into the freezer steakums because I couldn't remember if our kids liked them or not, or if it was just me. Steakums being the truffles of, of meat-like, microwavable meat-like products. Mm-hmm. But the thing that was on the shelf that I didn't realize still existed, and I inexplicably didn't buy them, but I will buy them the next time I'm at the grocery store, are the crackers called Chicken in a Biscuit. Oh, yeah, I remember chicken, chicken with in a just biscuit. a K. Not, I think it's just C H I K I N or something. The first time I had chicken in a biscuit crackers was when I was in college, and um, my roommate was dating a guy who brought by a box of chicken in a biscuit that he was eating while watching TV in our room. Those things must, with each cracker, give you ninety percent of your daily allo- allotment of sodium. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I recall them as being uh, uh, super, super salty. Well, I've, I've, I, I took a picture of the box. It's, I'm sorry, chicken is spelled correctly. It's the biscuit is B-I-S-K-I-T. 
<laughs> chicken in a biscuit, baked snack crackers. And, How do you and, think they decide which word to misspell? There's probably a whole marketing, you know, consortium that goes into figuring out which which of these two words should we misspell. No, but there's, there's right. I'm sure it is. As with many. So guests. did you end up getting those, or you didn't? I didn't get, get them. I just have the picture here, and there's a live chicken mascot on the box. What is the chicken aspect of chicken in the biscuits? Clearly, there's no chicken in it. Is it like chicken of the sea tuna, where it's just they just throw out chicken because people are so? I have no idea because it doesn't. There's no chicken in it. It doesn't taste anything like chicken. It doesn't taste anything like a biscuit, so I'm a little bit. Well, I think probably for flummoxed. legal reasons they had to misspell biscuit since it's a cracker. <laughs> but the spelling chicken correctly gives me pause. Well, as well as claws. So I actually do have a question for you because I guess you went to the grocery on Sunday, and uh, so Monday morning you you I was in at studio really late Sunday night. I woke up Monday morning in a bit of a fog, and um, and you took our oldest daughter to school, and I got our other three kids up and. Uh, dressed and brought them down and um, getting their breakfast ready and our son wanted eggs and so I was making him some eggs and our eight-year-old poured her cereal in her bowl and then our 12-year-old poured her cereal in her bowl and then they opened the fridge and there was no milk. So on Sunday when you went to the grocery store and took your picture picture of the chicken and a biscuit and bought the sweet rolls or what kind of rolls were those um little debbie swiss rolls swiss rolls is this going to be an came indictment home with, of me here no no not at all came home with um that stuff did any part of you consider buying some milk <laughs> i wouldn't know what kind of milk to buy we've had this discussion i drink almond milk i don't know what the kids drink it's two percent is it one percent is you it some gotten any kind of milk is it skim? for their cereal and they would have uh they would have appreciated that so anyway i said i'm certain there's some in our um in our tertiary pantry and I came to the basement I looked in the fridge and there's no milk and so I came back up and just the look on our eight-year-olds and our 12-year-olds faces as if I had betrayed them in uh in the you know in the worst way uh, as we they they expect that kind then, of stuff from dad the, yeah they, oh yeah if, if you had said we're out we're out of milk they would have said okay but when when I came up empty-handed because whenever I come down to the basement to to get a staple like that, they know I'm going to come back and and provide them with the sustenance that their body so desperately needs. And instead, I didn't. Well, let's not act like I don't provide them with the sustenance that their bodies you, need. Because the them, other day, the other day, so tell the, me what you got that night. Well, let me at, just let me just tell you. Let me, I'll, I'll, we can discuss that okay. in a moment. And and the the look of horror <laughs> on the face of the checkout lady, and the, the look of judgment on the person in front of me in line. It was it was entirely stuff with a shelf life of of many years. But I have been feeding the kids. And the other day, uh, they wanted lunch on the weekend. And I looked, I don't think we had any thawed bread. So I said, how would you like rolled up turkey lunch meat? Sure. So I gave them what I call turkey roll-ups. They ate them. Uh, Our son's friend was over too. He ate them. And our seventh grader, to tell you how much she liked them, said, Stevie's, (laughs) we have the meats. So there you that go. That was our 12-year-old I was, who yes, did that? I, I was providing her with uh, good food. Well, I, I like that. And um, just so you know, because I do have froze, I have bread in the freezer, it's really easy to thaw bread. Even quickly, you can thaw it in the microwave. But good for you. I, see, I applaud the lunch meat rolled up with cheese or without cheese. Like, that's at least somewhat healthy. That's better than some of the other things. And actually, that makes me think, too. So you, you, you got the White Castles. You thought about getting steakums. But you complain about melting meats. When I buy real meat from the real butcher, 
and just cook it in the crock pot. You have a problem with melting meats, but you have no problem with frozen whatever steakums are made from. You were just the person who just said you were, in the previous paragraph, you were applauding lunch meat. Yes. You applaud. I applaud. Not I don't applaud lunch meat. I applaud that you I gave them meat. that you gave them lunch meat, which has some nutritional value. The only lunch meat I don't applaud is is pickle loaf. <laughs> you boo. What what lunch meats do you boo? The only lunch meat I don't applaud is pickle loaf, and that's you know people. It still exists. And again, when I go to the grocery, I'm not only amazed that. You know, chicken of the biscuit is still out there. Is pickle loaf the the stuff that looks like, like salami, green but pimento. it has no, green no, it stuff looks in like it? bologna. Right, and it has yeah, that's that's and, terrible. And as a kid, every every classroom had the kid who who would have pickle loaf, and and you would urge him, and it was certainly my instinct to take the the uh, hole puncher and punch out <laughs> the pimentos out of the pickle loaf. See, my so you'd mom- have you'd have a, a, a meat like version of Swiss cheese, Swiss meat. My um. <laughs> My mom also never bought bologna. We, we never had bologna. It was uh, ham or turkey or roast beef, but never never the other lunch meat. She didn't really branch out. Well, your mom's go-to, I think, was bologna, right? Well, for bologna for our kid? school lunches. And then, and then later, she was a big deli turkey. So my dad would eat turkey, iceberg lettuce, and that's a thing that needs to come back. There's not enough of that in my life, iceberg lettuce. I don't like the, you know, whatever these greens are that... It, I usually go with romaine, yeah. Yeah, and, and if you're going to get lettuce on a hamburger, well, they, they, sometimes they put like the soggy, too green stuff on it. You just want crisp iceberg yes. lettuce. That's sort of the color of... Uh, but of, this, this is what you need to understand when I'm at the grocery purchasing the lettuce. And I think all of our viewers, our listeners are really going to appreciate this insight. When I'm purchasing lettuce, I'm purchasing lettuce for salads. I'm not purchasing lettuce to be thrown on a hamburger or a sandwich. But you're absolutely right. If... We were going to put lettuce on one of those things. It would 100% have to be iceberg but lettuce. even in a salad, it should be iceberg lettuce. Just You, you just... Ooh, no. Well, that's you what can it, have that's, it as part of it, but it can't be the main green. You just want the crunch, no flavor. And then load it up with some some salad dressing. It's just it's just a, a, a ranch dressing delivery system, yes. It, it makes it socially... It's not socially acceptable to drink Thousand Island directly out of the bottle, but if you if you pour it over iceberg lettuce and eat it, that way, it's it's, it's healthy, okay. and of course, I'm not only feeding the kids in your absence. I'm doing the laundry as I, as as is my want, even when you're in town. And um, I was wondering as I was doing the laundry the other night, does anybody else? Surely, I'm not the only one who, after cleaning out the wash machine, we have an upright so the door that faces you, a high efficiency washing machine. Yeah, yeah but uh, I don't know what the other ones are called. It's not it's not a top loader; it's a front loader. Front loader, right? yeah. And uh, and you always reach in there. And spin the spin the drum one more time to find that rogue sock that might have stuck, right in the spin cycle. I can't be the only one who, when when they spin the drum, imagines they're going for the showcase showdown on the Price Is Right. Am I? <laughs> I don't. But you uh, never have done that. No, never. You spin the drum to get. I don't spin the drum. I just look, glance around, and see if I can see a rogue sock. You don't spin it as if you're spinning. No, I don't spin to see if there's a rogue sock, but um. But I could see how you would enjoy that. When, you, when you're doing that, does any of the, the water that's left in the washing machine ever splatter out? And, uh, There's no water left you? in the washing machine. What are you talking about? There's it's, not it's, even a little, pe- little bit oftentimes, of water? Oftentimes the clothes themselves are dry because I haven't, uh, 
I haven't taken them out of the washing machine for a good 24 hours after they were uh, had completed the spin cycle. Yeah. And, of course, my last responsibility in your absence is to uh, chauffeur the kids around. And while I was doing that the other day, I was very proud of this. The Beatles song, Don't Let Me Down, came on. Oh, I like that song, it's yeah. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. From the White Album, sang it on the rooftop of uh, their rooftop concert last concert they performed last live performance and um and so as they're singing don't let me down our eight-year-old in the back of the band says bruce (laughs) and while she was singing don't bring me down by elo Uh and it's actually they say claim it's gruce that they're saying um i was so proud that she heard don't let me down by the beatles and sang the gruce from ELO's Don't Bring Me Down. It was it was beautiful. Either way, both of those songs are from what era? The 1970s? Late 60s and then mid-70s, and yes. And so we've exposed her to enough music that she that she mashes the two and throws and that so out there. We, we haven't even exposed her to much music. We've only exposed her, only exposed her to that music to that, from right. the Beatles to ELO, pretty and then, much. As, and then if she's in a car with her oldest sister, she's getting all the top... 20 songs yeah, from, from hits, hits one on on Sirius XM well let me let me because I haven't said this to you up until this point thank you for keeping our children fed thank you for doing some of the laundry while I'm gone thank you for driving them around I also know when it's this time of year and, and appreciate so much you doing the laundry because I do have to go between our our daughter's rooms and their drawers to find a variety of my own clothing. <laughs> Because I I don't I know what my son's clothes are and I and I but I don't know the you don't know the, who's the his daughter's who's. clothes are pretty much interchangeable because when when we're both home for the most part you you you're we've talked about this before you're a fantastic folder so you fold the clothes but I when I'm home I I sort the clothes and so if the clothes haven't already been sorted and you have to sort them some of my things will go missing some of my uh, shorts or socks or those kind of things that we'll find in a variety of the children's rooms but. But I don't mind because I so appreciate that you're taking on that responsibility while I'm not here. Little Stevie's learning to fly. (laughs) Learning to fly. Spread those wings, little Stevie. (laughs) All right, let's open up the uh, curiosity shop. When this boy meets world. Denny went to the trouble of emailing us during the show with his uh, three big questions for the week. On Monday, Denny writes, Apple announced multiple initiatives, including Apple TV+, Apple News, and the Apple Card. What do you guys think about Apple getting into the credit card business? I don't know if you saw this. You've been in the studio forever. I didn't Apple see this. Apple had their big you know, stage uh, revelation of all their new stuff yesterday, which I couldn't care less about. And uh, and their big thing was appeared to be a an Apple credit card. And the big thing with the Apple credit card was there was there were no there was no number on it, no magnetic strip as far as I could see on it. It was just your name and a blank white card. And and I don't know what it's supposed to do, how it's supposed to help you in any way, why I would want an Apple credit card. But then he asks, "What do you think about it?" We've got I've got enough credit cards. Unless it's going to really unless it's going to really help me here, then uh, then meh. Although we have talked, I don't think we've talked in the podcast about the inability to the credit cards company's desperation to get you to go into debt to get you to oh maintain a balance. Yes, well, this was absolutely unbelievable to me. So we, you and I, are the credit card company's biggest nightmare. Because we always, I always make sure the bills are paid on time. So 
We never pay fees. We never pay interest. Our bills, our credit card bills are paid every month on time. And that makes us, in the world of credit cards, deadbeats. Right, exactly. Because we are not debtbeats, we are deadbeats. <laughs> I mistakenly, one month, paid your credit card bill. I paid too much for your credit card because there were some transactions on it that were removed and we were credited. Doesn't so matter. anyway, it doesn't matter. I paid too much. And so you had a, what's the opposite of a balance? You had a credit on your credit card for like three months running because it was a credit card that you don't really use. And so the credit card company so didn't want this to happen, they sent us a check, a reimbursement check. This was after maybe three or four months. They reimbursed the money so that hopefully next time you use the credit card, maybe you would then miss your payment and uh, owe them uh, fees and interest again. But I I had never experienced that before, that you would, uh, instead of just letting us have the credit on the card, which we didn't mind because eventually you were going to use that card and spend it, they made sure to get that money back to it's us. It's so funny, that was but interesting. It's, it's funny, but it's diabolical and and uh, terrible. Um, pe- can I go off on a quick tangent because sure. you mentioned the, the whole, Apple? A quick the tangent whole, from this podcast, the whole, right? The whole you don't want to deviate from the theme that we've established of <laughs> right. of, of of nothingness, of nothing but tangents. Um, so you you know you say I don't know if you saw this because you've been in studio. That's one of the weird things too about the first few days of the tournament when I'm in Bristol in the studio the entire day and only have time to really be watching basketball as I have no idea what's going on at all in the outside world. I have no idea what's going on in news. Even though the men's games are being played at the same time, I have no idea what's happening in the men's games. And it kind of reminds me of when I was in the hospital and we had our children and you, you know, you don't really, you're not aware of anything that's happening in the world for those two days that you're in the hospital. And then on the ride home, you're looking around like, oh, yeah, the rest of the world is still going on, even though this, these last two days I've been immersed in, you know, something completely different. That's the way I feel. Like today, I have absolutely no idea what's happened in the news in the past couple of days, unless I've listened to something on the, uh, the daily podcast that's informed me. I have no idea what's going on. Well, you might want to Google Mueller report while you're at it. Uh, oh, well, I am. That's one thing I am aware of because that's everywhere. Uh, Denny asks, uh, with all the talk about players having signature shoes these days, Rebecca, I was wondering, what, when's the last time you saw somebody wearing your shoes? The last time I saw someone wearing my shoes was a year ago. So when 1997 and 1998, the first two years of the WNBA, Reebok had a signature shoe called the Lobo and the Lobo 2. We have uh, a few pairs here in our basement. And the only reason I saw someone wearing them a year ago was because a year ago, our oldest daughter was my size shoe. And uh, I asked, and she asked if she could have a pair of them. So I gave them to her. And I think she wore them for maybe two or three basketball practices and, um, and then decided that shoes that were made 25 years ago weren't as comfortable as shoes that were made <laughs> 25 days ago and so she stopped wearing them but uh yeah it's been a long time and Denny also marks the uh, passing of Gronk's career and what do you think is next for Gronk I think it's clear that he's going to be a a rock-like uh movie star oh, at probably. least make that effort but of, um, of course when I'm in Bristol the first thing people say is hmm I wonder if he'll be our new Monday Night Football guy <laughs> but yeah he would uh he would be pretty great uh 
doing that stuff. Our kids loved him on his Nickelodeon show. It was on Nickelodeon, right? Yeah, it was. I, I don't want to, and they loved him in, in his Gronk Flakes. Uh, right, right. The regional cereal popular here on shelves. Uh, we have a bracket contest, the ball and chain bracket contest, the B and C, B, C, the B, C squared, if you will. The Albert Einstein E equals B, C squared. I'm not sure what the E stands for, but presumably excitement, ecstasy. Okay. You have any idea? Um, entertainment. I think I'm on ecstasy right now. Yeah, actually, there you what go. I'm talking, but, um, uh, and we should say that you and I have a bracket in the men's bracket. We filled out a bracket in the women's bracket. We should also, in the interest of full disclosure, I filled out the men's bracket. You and filled I out the filled women's out bracket. The women's bracket yes. And let's just see what the results are, shall we? I've written them down here. So far, so far yes. as we head into the Sweet 16 for the men's and women's tournament, we have roughly 100 men's brackets. I. My bracket, let's call it our bracket, 57th. Out of how many? About 100. Okay. That's that's not the best percentile, but okay, 57th out of 100-ish. Uh, DJ4MU is winning right now, All first right. place. DJ4MU. DJ4MU, I hope that's a four Marquette University, has uh, North Carolina winning it all, so we'll monitor that progress. And in the women's bracket, our bracket, yes, really your bracket, out of 100-plus entries, you're at... 26th. Oh, that's not terrible. I mean, considering what I do for a living, that's terrible, but that's not as terrible as yours. <laughs> well, considering that you're that you're paid to spend all of your days analyzing women's college basketball, I, I would say it's it's probably not ideal that you're 26th and, and first place is a tie between Amateur Baker. <laughs> Good job, Amateur Baker. And Mama Prue. Mama Prue, that's Amateur Baker has clearly has two two things in there, right? Isn't Prue the the woman who is the judge on the British Baking Show? Uh, that, that's true, yes, but I don't think that's I don't I think you're you're doing, getting into tinfoil hat conspiracy okay. theory right. now. But you're right, very good. And uh, but but this is all about to somebody's going to be disappointed here. Amateur Baker has Louisville winning it all. Mama Prue has UConn winning it all. Ooh. So they just wanted to make sure they were going to win because they... It's know. not the same person. You're assuming okay. this is the same person. I, I am assuming it's uh, the same person. Okay. But good job you by think, both you of think, them. You think that the amateur baker submitted a second bracket under the name Prue Leith, the judge on the Great British Baking Show? I think this that's is, a possibility. This is cuckoo town. I, mean, I you're, think it's a possibility. It's a but, possibility. But it's, I'll say this. Now listen. While I'm 26th, Considering what I'm doing, I can tell you why all those teams won or lost, because that's what I do. I analyze things. I'm not a prognosticator, or else then I would be in in Vegas figuring out who should have won these games. But I, like, I can I, tell I like you when why. when people say that. If you were a prognosticator, you wouldn't be in Vegas. Would you would I have be? no interest in living in Las Vegas. You wouldn't be, well, you would be prognosticating to your four children while making them a ham sandwich, but you wouldn't be in Vegas. As if, if you only had that ability to prognosticate, you'd move to Las Vegas, you'd be living on the Strip, and really, that would be your best life. You have no interest in Las Vegas. You have no interest in... That's what you're going after in the sentence I just said in like this make-believe world. If I was a prognosticator, I'd live in Vegas, and you're burrowing into well, me saying yeah. I would live in Vegas. All right, move on. Does Denny okay. have anything more? Is it time no, to then go we're to closing mail? the curiosity shop, okay. and we're going to get to viewer mail. We need to okay? slam the curiosity yeah, shop doors shot. closed today, slam, darn slam it. The, slam the lid closed on my foot. We've done that. And um, I have a feeling if the curiosity shop really existed, you know where I think it would be? Where? It would be in Vegas, right next to the uh, Pawn Stars. Yes, yes, it would be. Uh, the, <laughs> you're right, exactly. I've been in that. 
that gold and silver pond way, way, way off the strip in old Las Vegas. Let me say preemptively before we get to viewer mail, because some of the viewer mail each week is swag requests. And every week I say the same thing. If you haven't gotten swag, I haven't sent it out, sent it out in a while. Yeah. I haven't sent it you out. still haven't. In a month. Okay. Tomorrow. <laughs> what are okay. you laughing at? Okay. Not tomorrow. I'm going to be in Boston tomorrow. Thursday. Thursday, you're going to send Friday. Out. Friday, I'm going to okay. fulfill the swag requests Which day and probably post gonna, them on Monday. Which day are you going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie you down on this. Which day are you going to replace the light bulbs in the garage? Well, I have to get the light bulbs, so I can do that Friday as well. The, the uh, hardware store is near the post office, right? <laughs> Both of them are five minutes from our house, but yes. Okay, well, so everyone, expect your swag soon. I will expect some light bulbs in my garage soon. It's all coming together well, in the Russian household. This, this is all coming together in viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Mary writes, she requests swag. Mary will get you swag. And she says, I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I have to say that when I'm making lists, I title one of mine as Things I Don't Want To Do List. <laughs> we talked about that last yeah, week, I our, our to-don't list. And it seems to motivate me to get going. Maybe this tip will help you, too. Good luck getting the things done. Well, I, I make a to-don't list of things that I, I don't want to do and I'm never going to do. The things on the to-don't list, the things on the to-don't list, to list that you don't want to do, you know what those then become? Things you do your on your to-do list. to-do list. That's yes. baloney. Yes. No, it's not. It's, uh, what's that stuff called? It's, it's, it's uh, pickle, pickle loaf. Pickle loaf. <laughs> With three-hole punch. <laughs> okay. Deborah writes, A few weeks ago, I offered to be your staff court reporter. Since then, it has come to my attention that the rest of your consultants are resident consultants. I wonder what kind of accommodations you have for these resident consultants and whether there's room for me. I feel that you might actually need my services soon due to looming lawsuits regarding errant <laughs> swag. <laughs> so she wants to be our resident court reporter? Yes. Deborah, comma, and, and the appendage at the end of her name is CCR. I assume that's the court reporting. Uh, and not for the... Creedence Clearwater Revival. Right. right. So there's room. There'll, there'll, there'll be probably more room in the basement when I get kicked out of here soon for not fulfilling my to-don't list. Rebecca, this one's for you, I suppose. From Lori, how do the refs communicate fouls when the jersey numbers are over five? I always thought it was related to the refs' five fingers. We'll have to pay closer attention to that in the WNBA because that's where you would have numbers that are bigger than five. So they would, have referees with more than five fingers yeah. on each hand. It's, it's, <laughs> I assume they still walk the over to the scorer's table and maybe just say it instead of uh, communicating with their hands. Rebecca and Steve. So I usually split rides for scouts with a friend of ours every week with one dropping off and the other picking up. A few weeks ago, she says she will drive both ways. When I said she didn't have to do that, she suggested I use the time to take down our Christmas wreaths. <laughs> Now that is a I will take your children to move. boy or girl scouts both ways if you can you, you take don't have that. To do that. That's fantastic. No, no, no. You use the time to take down your Christmas wreaths. <laughs> My wife is also a big this is from Brian J by the way. My wife is also a big fan of we as in we can do that meaning I was just voluntold to do something. The worst was when we volunteered to take over the cookies for my daughter's girl scout troop. Next thing you know, I'm a cookie mom. <laughs> Keep potting Brian J. I wonder if that means he's outside the grocery store selling the cookies because last weekend when I was at the grocery store, there were, uh, there was a table set up right outside with uh, moms and their cookie daughters moms? selling. Yes, cookie moms and the and the girls selling their uh, Girl Scout cookies. 
Here's a big one. We could do a whole podcast on this probably. Rebecca and Steve, greetings from Cape Cod. This is from Margaret. I don't know if it's just me, but I've been noticing that many more women college basketball players are wearing more makeup when they play, especially for their eyes. Many use mascara and or eyeliner, and a few appear to go as far as to wear lengthy false eyelashes. What do you both feel about this? Interested in hearing Steve's male perspective versus Rebecca's female perspective. And what do you feel about coaches' programs that restrict players' self-expression on the court? Rebecca, wasn't UConn very strict, not letting players even paint their fingernails? As parents, would either of you be okay with one of your daughters feeling it necessary to get, quote, made up before a game? I think self-expression is something that should be supported, but I'm conflicted about the need to wear makeup when playing. As you've noted, women players are personalizing the way they wear their uniforms, e.g. the diaper look that Rebecca is not a fan of. Where, where does makeup fit from your perspective as parents, coaches, and former players? Well, Rebecca is a former player, since I assume that Steve did not wear makeup when he played. Thanks, Margaret. That the big thing that you see a lot now is the girls with the false eyelashes on, and it's so obvious that they're wearing them. I, I, I wouldn't have ever wanted to have false lashes on. I never wore makeup when I played. I did have teammates, not in college, but when I got to the WNBA who would wear makeup. And I, you, I had teammates who wore false stashes. <laughs> and you would know because you'd come over to the bench and... and um, and one of the ball kids or whatever manager would give you a towel and you'd wipe off your face. And they and I remember one teammate in particular, she'd wipe off her face and then her towel was all brown from the, um, the makeup she was wearing, from the foundation she was wearing. So I don't really... I don't really understand it. I don't, especially the false lashes. I mean, I would think if, because if anybody's ever worn false eyelashes, if they start coming off a little bit, like you can totally see them and it distracts you completely. I, I would wor- be worried that that might happen in a game. But yes, UConn, you're, everything has to be the same at UConn. And so they don't allow you to w- paint your nails. Where on the other side, Notre Dame during the tournament, I think this, the, their tradition started when they won the national championship in the early 2000s. But come NCAA tournament time, they all paint their fingernails green, the coaching staff, the players, and even like the sports information person. So a couple of years ago, a guy named Chris Masters, who's now at the Big Ten, he was their sports information guy, and he would paint his pinky nail green. Because if you were part of the women's basketball program, March hits it's good luck. It's part of their tradition. You will paint your fingernail. But um, UConn, that was that was never the case. And, and, we, our, and we didn't our, really ever care about it either. Our daughter played against, uh, had to guard somebody this year who had a full face of makeup and like glitter or something. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and she thought that was uh, unusual. So I don't think it's really a big thing maybe in high school, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell this one thing because I don't remember teammates in college wearing makeup or they may have, but even back in those days, makeup people didn't wear it quite the same. It's worn now. It's a lot heavier, and um, people know how to put on makeup much better because they watch the makeup videos. Anyway, we did, though, used to give Kara Walters, our 6'7 post player, a hard time because she would use tanning cream, and tanning cream in those days would kind of turn your skin orange, (laughs) and we would know when it was time to play on a nationally televised game because at the end of practice, everybody put their hands into the huddle, and all of a sudden, you'd see this orange hand and on the inner part of the fingers, it was still like the normal skin tone, and that would have been Kara's hand. And so I guess it's a nationally televised game because she went and would put her uh, tanning cream on. Now at least you can get spray tans or whatever where they get a little more evenly dis- if, distri- <laughs> distributed. If you're wearing that or if you're wearing <laughs> mascara or eyeliner, as she says, wouldn't if you sweat profusely, wouldn't it start running? You'd look like Alice Cooper circa 1974. <laughs> no? No, they, they make waterproof versions okay. of all that stuff okay, now. I didn't know that. Um, 
Rebecca and Steve writes, Jane, my husband and I are listening to the latest episode as we drive to the beach. This is our beach going habit. During the discussion of the tournament bracket, yes, we filled them out. Steve asked Rebecca if she'd filled hers out yet. She had already mentioned that she had. My husband looked at me and said, he didn't hear Rebecca say that. So not listening must be a male tendency, either genetic or learned. (laughs) Rebecca? I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit both genetic and learned. In our house, my husband packs away the Christmas decorations, Jane writes, and he's quite particular about it. Even though he'll make comments about wanting help, I dare not enter in. But I do the toilet repair. Have a great day, Jane from Orlando. Ah, she does. So, oh, can we put that? Is that going on your to-do list or on your to-don't list? Because if you're going to go to if you're going to go to the hardware store to get the light bulbs, can you get those those new little those. They, rubber they, things so our toilets I don't want to get into the the mechanics of the the, uh, the rubber stoppers inside the toilet okay. but they don't make ones that fit the ones we have we'd have to write away to uh, some used toilet website to get the old we have to write away to them yeah write away I don't okay. know that's what I'm saying or maybe I'd have to go All to a different right. hardware will, store but I I'm not prepared to do that don't 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 even think about it I will put this on my to-do list. Hi, Stephen Rebecca. I was touched by your story of how your daughter wished that a substitute Rebecca could fill in for the real Rebecca at work. That's both sweet and heartbreaking. Our eight-year-old asked why they couldn't have some other you. Somebody, somebody dressed up like me to talk ball game. yes. That said, writes Ed, a substitute Rebecca would be a faux lobo. <laughs> Parentheses, I'm so proud of myself. Speaking of rhymes, I enjoy Tom, Dick, and Harry's jingles. Yes, I'm glad somebody is has done our job. We haven't uh, praised Tom, Dick, and Harry nearly enough. Hopefully, in as episodes. the weather gets nicer out in Minnesota, they'll be g- going out and performing again, and we can give some of their right. upcoming dates. Ed writes, I especially love their viewer mail jingle, where they rhyme lure with viewer. Yeah. Clever. <laughs> Best, Ed Silverspring. Ed is our staff patent attorney, and he adds a P.S. as your liability, as for your liability on those coasters. Remember, yes. our, our resident ophthalmologist. Yes had somebody in who had been hit in the eye with a with a cardboard coaster yes. and left a fiber under the lid. As for reliability on those coasters, I wouldn't worry about it. It's not like you could have foreseen their weaponization. Well, that's reassuring, Ed. Thank you for that. This comes from Rachel in Idaho. Rachel writes, Rebecca and Steve, mayo chup. We talked last week or in a previous week about this the mayo ketchup yep. combined in the same bottle, uh, marketed as mayo chup. Us here in the Mountain West like what we call fry sauce but it's more than just a combination of mayo and ketchup. There are other spices and seasonings. You either love it or you hate it. Do you think you would like that? Depends. If it wasn't too spicy, I think I might like it. My husband and I are on a flight home from New York City and had a wonderful vacation. We went to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. The band's visit in the Knicks game. Alas, try as I might, I couldn't convince my husband we needed a trip to the Dublin house in homage to the start of the Lobo Russian story. It would be nice if that became a a tourist attraction on most people's It really would be. There must be some sort of um, tourist attraction scavenger hunts, and maybe that can be part of it. And uh, people could go there and pick up a ball and chain coaster. Uh, Rachel also appreciated your comments about Holly Warlick. And Tennessee, uh, we probably don't have time to get into that whole thing, but know that she appreciated them. This, I like this one. Phil, I like them all, but this one, Phil writes, Steve mentioned recently on the podcast he was using small blocks of available time to read books instead of checking social media. I recall him saying he had finished nine books in the last year because of that. Phil, I've finished nine books this year because of that. This year, meaning 2019. Yeah, Yeah. well, more than that now, but at the time of the podcast said, any of those or anything either of you have been reading that you would recommend? My wife gave me Road Swing and Stingray Afternoons for Christmas. Loved them both. Thank you. Uh, telling my friends to read them. 
yada yada. Maybe an occasional book reading segment on ball and chain. Or is that too NPR-ish? He writes, I don't think it's too NPR-ish at all. Phil recommends uh, Longitude by Davis Sobel, an unlikely hero in the solution to a problem that plagued generations. I've actually read that book. It's a great book. It's a short book. And it's interesting, even if you don't think you would be ordinarily interested in the subject. Uh, he's also read Ashen Court, a sovereign grows to understand alliances, motivation, leadership, and the limits of divine right. And Citizens of London, Ed Murrow, Harrow, and uh, War Torn London. I would, I would be into all of those other two. I've read the first one. Do we recommend anything? He adds, it's almost time for Katie Lee's return and the Huskies to take on Towson, so that game is over. Um, Rebecca, what have you been reading lately and what do you re recommend? I'm kidding. I'm putting you on the spot. I know you've been in the studio for hours on end. Well, after you, after, I do have something to say, though, after you give the your recommendations. Okay, well, I, right now I'm reading Ali, A Life, the biography of Muhammad Ali by Jonathan Igg that came out last year. It's fantastic. I'm about 300 pages into it. It's 500 pages long. It's, it's excellent. I rec can't recommend it highly enough. Um, I've been reading a lot of fiction this year. The books that Phil mentioned, these kind of 1400s in England, um, the first two books I read this year were, were Wolf Hall and Bring Up the Bodies, both by Hilary Mantel, both about two books in a trilogy about, about Thomas Cromwell, the, the kind of consigliere for Henry VIII, and, and they're fantastic. So I recommend those. I recommend the Ali book. I've just read 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It's bizarre. It's beloved. I'm not sure that it's beloved by me, but I'm glad I've read it. And uh, are there any, I could go on and on. And are there any books you, or authors you so desperately want to read that you're going to learn another language because their books are only written in that language, like Mayor Pete from uh, South Bend, Indiana? Uh, no, but I'm grateful to the brilliant translator of 100 Years of Solitude, a guy whose name escapes me right now, but he's renowned in his own right. Garcia Marquez himself said that, that the English translation was better than his own Spanish original. So I can wait for it. The book to come out in translation. I, I can't both read all of the books in the world and learn several foreign languages at the same well, time. I'm, I'm not. I'm not Mayor Pete in that I'm, regard. I'm glad that you are reading all of the books in the world, and um, because I'm not reading anything these days other than newspaper articles about women's basketball teams. And uh, but I'll say this because as I've been in Bristol, um, one day I, I was in there and the television was on and. and SportsCenter was interviewing Dick Vitale, and Dick Vitale was in his home in Florida sitting in front of a bookshelf that had books on it, and, and the one book that was facing forward was his book. And then the next day, I saw uh, SportsCenter doing an interview with Jay Billis, who was at his home sitting in front of a bookshelf and with some books on it and other things, and his, his book was the one facing, you know, jacket out. So then when I saw Billis soon after that, I said to him, you know, because they ESPN had come to his home and built the little studio in his home so he could do these kind of things. And I said, like, did they provide the books or have you actually read those books? And he, and it's funny because you'll see oftentimes, you know, when people are doing these kind of talkbacks. They're always or, in front of a bookshelf. Always in front of a bookshelf. And it's basically a set. And, um, and, and at least Jay Bill said, he's like, no, I've read most of those, but when they came and, and built that set in his house, they did. They put the bookshelf in. They put the books on on the shelf because, I don't know, it, it makes you look smarter or, you know, when you're pre pretending, in most cases, pretending that you've read the books that are behind you. Well, I mean, it is kind of a trophy case, and we have bookshelves all over our house, and they're full, and most of the books have been read. 
Um, and I don't like to give away books that I read. I, I mean, I like to give them away to people who are going to read them, but I don't like to get rid of them to, to book drives and things, even though other people can then read them. I took our youngest to the library last Sunday, and while she browsed, they have a little used book stall there that you can buy hardcover books for 75 cents or for a buck or two. And I left there with three books. I have a stack of read books in my office, the books that I've read this year, but I also have a stack of unread books. I was in New York a couple weeks ago. There was a new Shakespeare and Company bookstore next to the diner I was eating in. So I went in there and bought three books, like Johnny Appleseed trying to to uh, kickstart sales in that bookstore. And I will read those books, and I want to read those books. And we can talk about them on a future podcast. But And then I was at the, the library, and I bought a few books. And I don't remember who said it, but it was the truest thing ever, which is when we buy books, we imagine we are buying the time to read them all. So I like to have the books that I've read, but I also like to have a stack of unread books circling the tower, waiting for clearance when I'm ready to finish finish my last book. And I don't want to be that wife because I love that you are a voracious reader. You want to be and, the these rims and, guy? And and I, I, I do love so much about that because that's who you are. I wish you, too, would purchase light bulbs and think you are purchasing the time to change them and purchase well, the purchase the rubber stopper for the toilet you had you had no and, idea and that think that that was purchasing you you the time to flush you had no idea that you were segueing into our final letter and that is from dr gary siegel dr siegel writes as a humble correspondent it's my hope to enlighten the viewers and staff regarding medical education while I may have had some Greek letters attached to my undergraduate medical degrees, the really smart physicians went into ophthalmology, radiology, neurosurgery, and dermatology. Neurosurgery. Neurosurgery and dermatology. Bracketology was and remains a specialty for only a chosen few geniuses. <laughs> yes, Dr. Siegel. But Dr. Siegel lastly writes, Steve, perhaps it's time to search for a resident handyman or handywoman for the podcast who happens to live nearby. Furthermore, I suggest with gentility that you order from your laptop LED bulbs that use less electricity and last for years. They'll appear at your doorstep, and when you get to light bulb replacement on your to-do list, you won't have to leave the safe confines of your home and interact with anyone to install them and thus move light bulb replacement onto Rebecca's done list. With warmest regards, Gary. If, I, um, if I'm going to look for a local handyman or handywoman, do you have a preference And if it's a handyman or a handywoman? If we had somebody here fixing the stuff up in the house, what would... Who would you prefer? What gender would you prefer he or she be? Well, I, there, I, I, I've having heard James Taylor's song "Handyman," I fix broken hearts. I know that I truly can. <laughs> I, 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 that, that's that the kind is, of handyman is, you are. Yes, that's kind of yes, yes. <laughs> the fixer of broken hearts. Yes, I fix broken hearts. I know that I truly can. <laughs> On that note. Tom, Dick, and Harry, and James Taylor. Please. <laughs> For the love of out. God. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity To a daily test 
Androgynous, ambiguous, while we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.